Welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining us here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. I'm Father Chris Alar of the Marian Fathers, hoping that you'll stay with us this Saturday morning here live at 11 o'clock our time on a rainy, drizzly day here in Stockbridge. So it's better to be in your own home right now than here at the Shrine because it's, it's drizzly, it's rainy, it's cloudy. But we're going to bring to you today an incredibly important topic. Um, a topic that we just don't hear much about, but is dogmatic and a revelation, and that is spiritual warfare. And before we begin with a prayer, we just want to say that last week I did a talk on the angels, and this week we're talking about the fallen angels. And uh, I apologize, um, being live, I can't stop, my cheek is bleeding, and uh, I forgot my water. So if during this broadcast I cough or bleed, please uh, <laughs> bear with me. But let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits, who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. St. Faustina, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, again, we're grateful that you could be with us today. As I said, this topic um, is controversial in one sense, but it shouldn't be. It's totally dogmatic revelation. Um, I think it may scare some people, but that's not my intent today. Uh, please uh, don't think here that my intent is to scare anyone. My intent is simply to teach you what the church says we need to know about spiritual warfare and the demonic powers. All right. These demonic powers um, have always been a constant doctrine in the Catholic Church, way back from the time of Christ. Um, as I said, it, um, it's a revelation to us that um, God created these angels good, and he created them before man. But what happened? All right, I'm basically going to try to summarize the whole Salvation, not salvation history so much as how we got into this mess. It's all in the Bible and scriptures and revelation. But I'm going to try my best to summarize this all for you. All right. After the angels, God created them. He revealed a plan that he was also going to create man and then become one of them. Let's look at your next slide. Lucifer and... Um, uh, at the end, I'll do the, uh, the slide uh, with, uh, with where you can get our DVD. I apologize with uh, where we can get our DVD and talk. So I'll do that at the end. But this slide is Lucifer. Now look at this. He was the highest angels, the seraphim angels we talked about last week. And he basically said, no way. Um, I will not worship some lowly creature. Um, you, God, should be an angel. 
if you're coming to me, you should be an angel. Man is below me. And then, and then he basically said, then that way I can be equal to God. Um, he revolted. And the next slide, we see that. Who are these demons? These demons are the fallen angels. Uh, battle broke out in heaven, basically. And they were defeated by Michael and cast down to earth. Now, at this time, we can see basically that a third of the angels fell. We know this from scripture. And with a third of the angels falling, the question has always been, why a third? Why not a fourth or two fifths? Um, tradition with a small t says that that was basically the way the angels worshiped God. We have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And although we have one God, he's three persons. So the angels that were dedicated to adoring the Father were a third. There were a third dedicated to adoring the Son and a third dedicated to adoring the Holy Spirit. Which third do you think fell? It was the third dedicated to adoring the second person of the Trinity, the Son, because it was announced he was the one that was going to become a man. And so these higher angels said, no way. And Satan led a revolt and they were cast down, thrown out of heaven and down onto earth. Now their decision was irrevocable, irreversible, because why? They saw the consequences. Unlike us, we don't see the consequences of our, um, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. If I could, sister, could you bring me that water, please? I'm sorry, everybody. Sorry, we're, yeah, please, please. I'm, I'm live on television. <laughs> sorry, thank you. Um, so sorry about that, everybody. So if we could um, have a opportunity to see what the catechism says, Catechism 393 says there is no repentance for the angels after their fall, just as there is no repentance for man after death. And so, I apologize, live uh, broadcast is a little difficult. Um, so the catechism basically says, they had one shot. The reason we as man get more than one shot is we don't see the full consequence of our actions. We don't see it. All right. So they were cast out of heaven and now they roam the earth. And Satan now becomes lying in wait for his revenge on mankind. Now, how did he do that? Let's look at our next slide. Our next slide is the garden. The Garden of Eden. All right, now here is Satan that comes in now as the fathers of, as father of lies, who is now deceit. He, he comes in and he strikes like the serpent, right? A serpent strikes with deceit. And basically, but God brought a greater good here. God brought a greater good. What was the greater good? The promise of a savior and the gift of a mother. This is Genesis 3.15, all right? And so the two spiritual weapons of our times, of mankind, are Mary and divine Jesus, the divine mercy. And this is so powerful. Let's look at each one of those right now. Let's look at Mary and let's look at Jesus, the divine mercy. All right, Mary is at the center of spiritual warfare as an answer to Satan's rebellion because 
her obedience. Satan was disobedient. Mary was obedient. Also Eve, she's the new Eve because Eve was disobedient and Mary is obedient. This is why we need to consecrate to her because consecrated to Mary, we can follow in her footsteps, leading us to Jesus through her humility. She can be our guide, our path. And he said, that God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. Let's look at this next slide. Here we see the foot of Mary stepping on the head of the serpent. Now, depending on what translation you read, there's some that say her, there's some that say his, and there's some translations that say there. What am I talking about? If you go to the Dewey Reams, she will strike at your head while you will strike at her heel. Other translations say they will strike at your head, meaning Jesus and Mary, and you will strike at their heel, again, meaning Jesus and Mary. But whatever translation you mean or you look to, does it, isn't as important as knowing what the, what's going on here, all right? Enmity equals total opposition. Now, if Mary... Okay, here's the key here. Father, where's the Immaculate Conception in the Bible? Mary has to be truly immaculate from the first moment of her conception, or that would mean Satan had some control over her. So if Mary wasn't truly immaculately conceived, there would be some control of Satan over her, and that's impossible. The church father said that with the revelation of the incarnation, God revealed to the angels that his son would have a human mother. And this is where Lucifer drew the line. He said, that's it. He said, this is, this is insulting. Because remember from last week's talk I did on the angels, who's higher, man or the angels? And while man is higher by grace because the incarnation and the immaculate conception, the angel was higher by, than man by nature. He was created higher than man. So by his nature, Satan is created higher than any mankind and the angels. And so when, when, when God announced that, that, that the son, that the second person of the Trinity was going to be born a man and, be, and have a human mother, that was too much for them to say, take. And that's why their pride came in. This was his pride. Now, we've always asked the question, who does Satan fear more, God or Mary? And all my catechism classes always say, God, of course, Father. Well, actually, the saints tell us he actually fears Mary more. And there's a Monsignor, Leon Cristiani, that wrote a good book about this. And I read that and it was just, it was mesmerizing because Satan does fear Mary more than God. Why? Because as you can see on the next slide, um, this is a wrestling. I was a wrestler, as you could tell by looking at me. I'm not a basketball player. I'm a wrestler. And in wrestling, um, this is the opportunity to do battle, right? In wrestling, you, you, you literally do battle with your opponent. And there was one opportunity where I had in high school 
to wrestle the Japanese national champion. And um, I was a senior and I was selected for a Michigan team that wrestled the Japanese national champions that came over from Japan. And my opponent was 156 and zero or something like that. And I'd like to get up here and say I won. No, I lost it, but it really, uh, I lost four to two. It was a decent match. And, but at the end, my coach, who never said good job at the end of a loss ever, came up to me and said, good job. But I lost. He said, but this is the Japanese national champion. You weren't supposed to win. You really weren't supposed to win. And, um, and so anyway, there was another story I tell some about wrestling a girl, but I think this one fits in just as well. And he said that, you know, you weren't expected to beat the Japanese national champion. Or when I lost to Dave Dameron, the U.S. national champion. You see, why? Because... He was expected, he was at a higher level than I was. And there was no expectation for me to beat this Japanese national champion. But yet at the same time, if I had wrestled, let's say, somebody who was zero and 156 <laughs> and lost, that would have been humiliating. Why? Because you were supposed to win. And so this is the same with Satan with Mary. He can halfway understand being whooped up on by God. He's not supposed to be able to stand up to God. He knows that in his intelligence. But to lose to a 15-year-old Jewish girl, to lose to a little girl, was more than his pride could handle. It'd be like in wrestling as a young boy growing up losing to a young girl. It was just something a boy and his pride would never have accepted. That's because even at a young age, we have pride. I had pride. And so what we said in this situation was Satan can halfway understand losing to God, but losing to Mary, who's created below him, who's inferior in, in intellect and in and, 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 and attributes, this is crazy. And so Satan was basically giving this fear now of Mary because of her humility, he runs in fear. This is why Mary's so important, all right? Today, we are basically living Revelation 12 because this is the woman and now Satan fell from the sky. And he has declared war on mankind. This is what Revelation 12 is all about. So we're going to come back to Mary. But let's jump now to the second spiritual weapon, Jesus, the divine mercy. All right. So after what happened? After man sinned, there's this big rift between God and man. Now this rift is so big that only God can fix it. It's too big for man to fix the problem is God didn't create the rift. Man created it when he sinned. So this gap between God and man is this huge gap now caused by sin. The problem is it's so big, only God can fix it. But the problem is God didn't break it. God didn't create that gap. Man did. So who's going to fix it? Is a man going to fix it because he broke it? Well, not really because he's not capable. Well, is God going to fix it? Well, okay, but God didn't break it. So we need both God and man. 
to fix this a God and a man. Hence, the God-man, Jesus Christ, who comes as God and man in his nature. And so this is what's going on. So both God and man were needed to fix the wound between God and man. The damage was so severe that now man had to die for that sin he committed. Why? Because St. Paul tells us the wage of sin is death. And so if the wage of sin is death, we have to die for that sin. Adam and Eve deserve to die. We deserve to die for all our sins. But here comes this God-man. So Jesus came and paid the debt that we owed for our sin, meaning he died for us in payment for that sin. That's why Jesus died on the cross, because the penalty for sin is death. Now, but death had no place in God's original plan. So this has just become a mess now, but God knows better than we do how to fix up a mess. Nothing is outside his providence. So this plan that now was not including death, now does have death, and it came about because of sin. All right, so then Jesus came, God sent his son to fix it, the redeemer, and that son died for us. But if that was it, if that was the end, the son came and just died and the story was over, it would mean that death had the last word. That would mean that Satan wins. So Christ defeats that tool of Satan called death by his resurrection from the dead to defeat death. The greatest of all Satan's tools. Now in doing so, he redeemed broken human nature and gave us a share in eternal life. This is incredible. Now man who was created below the angel has now been elevated above the angel because of the incarnation and the immaculate conception of Mary. So this is incredible. This man is now elevated above the angels and we share in the divine life of God as adopted sons. You can't get any more incredible. And this is what made Satan furious. Now, I know I'm doing the long version here, but I'm going to tell you why Satan wants to destroy us. Because this made Satan furious that a creature below him, Mary, was now elevated above him and she's now the queen of all the angels. That's one of her titles. Mary, the queen of all angels. And so he's furious that this creature was elevated above him. So Satan declared war on man because he is the reason for his fall and we are made in the image and likeness of God who Satan rebelled against. You see what's going on here? You see the big picture? This is what's going on. Thus the evil one, according to John Paul, tries to transplant into man the attitude. This is what Satan's job and his evil dominions, what they want to do, to put into man an attitude of rivalry, insubordination, in opposition to God, which has become his motivation for everything, to cause disruption, disharmony, discord. Now, this war that he has waged on man, you know, Satan wanting us to have his same fate, is called spiritual warfare. So I just told you the whole story of how this happened, but now it's being played out on earth. Before man can assume his place in the kingdom of God, like Jesus did after the resurrection, we must go through the crucifixion as Jesus did 
before the resurrection. What is our crucifixion? Our valley of tears, our suffering, our tears, our sorrows, our bodily death even. This is where we imitate our Savior. This is why God allows evil and suffering in the world. You can see that on one of my previous talks called Explaining the Faith. Why would God allow suffering in the world, such suffering? And you see, this is why Paul said, we must complete what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. What possibly could be lacking in the sufferings of Christ are sufferings. And so we join now, we are in this valley of tears, going through our crucifixion. That's why we go through the pains that we do and the suffering. We have to be tempted and tested on earth as Christ was. We have to be in many ways like it before we resurrect like Christ did. So this is what's going on. But why would God allow Satan to have any power whatsoever? Can't he just test us and then just, you know, make us wait a little longer to get into heaven? Why, why is there a Satan, a hell, and damnation? And what kind of power did he give to Satan? All right, let's look at our next slide. This is the Catechism, 395. The power of Satan is not infinite. So I'm asking the question, what kind of power does Satan have? Oh, Father, he has all kinds of power. He's equal to God. You know, most high school seniors on a survey said that Satan has equal power to God, but in the opposite direction. No, no, no. The power of Satan is not infinite. He is only a creature. He cannot prevent the building up of God's reign. Although Satan may act in the world out of hatred for God and his action may cause grave injuries, the action is permitted by divine providence, which with strength and gentleness guides human and cosmic history. It is a great mystery that providence should permit diabolical activity, but we know that in everything God works for good with those who love him. It's the mystery of why God allows this evil. So Christ paved the way, but now so we are to fight as well the devil and his temptations like Christ did. Christ defeated Satan. So for us, we don't have to live in bondage anymore. He freed us. But yet we got to have skin in the game. It's just not that we give this gift, take it, don't even say thank you and walk away. No, we have to accept that gift. We were freed. This was the greater good that God brought out of the whole situation in Adam and Eve in the garden. And now we all we have to do is accept that gift with our free will and we will receive the victory. Well, Father, how do I do that? We're going to talk about it. He freed us by his authority. You know, when Christ came to earth, he spoke different than any of the prophets before him. He spoke with authority like nobody did. He spoke. When he spoke, God spoke. When he commanded, the demons fled. They had to obey. Let's look at the next slide. Here we see Christ. Christ's command, the demons, they feared. They left the human, you know, they, they left the people. Remember the, um, the, or the uh, story in the scriptures where God cast the demons out of that boy and then the demons asked to be thrown into the pigs? Well, let me tell you, a lot of naysayers or atheists have said all of this was just psychological, medical conditions of those victims that were snarling in the devil or they claimed they had the devil in them. Well, you know what? When Jesus cast 
those demons out. He put them into pigs. You can't do that with a medical condition. You can't put a medical condition into a pig. So this was real. This is real. All right. Um, you cast, um, you can't cast, as I said, a medical disorder out of a man and into a pig. But anyway, Jesus often told the demons to shut up. Stop talking. Now the devil, because he had deceived Eve with his tongue, is now being lashed by Jesus, by God with his tongue. That is why exorcisms command in the name of Jesus and by the authority of Jesus, I command you. I command you today. Many, you know, it's interesting because you got to be careful. Many um, self-proclaimed deliverers and exorcists, you can find them on YouTube. Be careful of this stuff. Um, you know, uh, deliverers, they claim that they're deliverers from demonic possession, but they are encouraging the demons to speak. And be careful of that. Uh, they even believe what the demons have to say. Remember, the demons are liars. All right. So Satan has basically here the king of lies. Now, how can he get us? Now, Satan has access to our intellect. And remember, with God, he can't touch us. We're going to get to that. But Satan has access to our intellect, but not our will. This is important. He can never force you to do something. So it's not always the devil who made you do it. All right. So I can't always sit up here and say to you, to my superior, Father Kaz, I'm really sorry. I didn't get you that, that type document because the computer crashed. It broke and it was the devil. The devil made it happen. Well, sometimes that's true. Or sometimes I forgot to show up for a responsibility and I see the devil got in the way. No, sometimes it's my fault. Okay, sometimes it's just my lack of, of, of remembering something. Not always blaming the devil, but he does sometimes get in the way. But yes, we can sometimes invite him in. We can invite evil in, and this is the problem. Either consciously or subconsciously. Sometimes we don't even know we're opening the door to the evil one. Exposure to things like pornography, illicit sexual activity, unforgiveness, these are the big sins. They open the doors to the demonic. This is what we call portals, right? Now, as long as you are praying, if you fall, don't get scared. I don't want to scare anybody. Just go to confession. You have a fall like that. Oh my goodness, Father, I, I had that fall a month ago. Go to confession. Then you're protected. This is the criticalness, all right? These portals, we should keep them closed. Even things like spiritualism or spiritism, astrology, occult practices. These are things, palm readers, don't get messed up in this stuff. All right. The real exorcist movie. You remember that from the early 1970s? That was actually based on a true story. I read the transcript in seminary of the real case. It's actually scarier than the movie. And it was from a, a possession because of an Ouija board. An Ouija board. If you got one in your house... Please get rid of that stuff. Now, don't mess with the demonic. Remember, their nature is superior to ours. They're smarter. They're brighter. They're not, they don't, they don't, uh, they're not limited like we are in a bodily sense. Um, and this is why they have a lot of power in one sense, but only what God gives them. Like Satanists, you know, they, they have shown where they can put a hundred hosts in front of a Satanist 
and only one host will be consecrated, mixed in with the 100 hosts. And there's accounts where true high wizards in, in the Satan, Church of Satan craziness, can actually pick out the consecrated host. The demons believe, you know, people say, well, I'm not going to go to hell. I believe in God. Well, yeah, so do the demons. So we have to realize that believing in God is just more than saying it, it's living it. And we're going to get to that to help you. All right. Satan wants to destroy us. Remember last week I talked about why he wants to destroy the Jews? Because then he can prove God a liar. Because God said the Jews' descendants will spread far and wide. If he can destroy the Jews, he'll prove God a liar. That's just one of the group of us humans he comes after. Satan wants to destroy all humans. Even Satanists want to destroy man by destroying what? The church and the family. This is the critical, critical crutch of our society is the church and the family. The final battle between God and Satan, Sister Lucia said, is over marriage and the family. But again, I got to keep saying, Remember, God has the power. The only power Satan has is the power we give him. If we open up our lives and open these portals wide open through occult practices or all that craziness or drugs or whatever, we're inviting him in to have power. You know, um, St. Catherine of Siena said, and of what should we be afraid? Our captain is on this battlefield and his name is Jesus Christ. We have discovered what we have to do. Christ has bound our enemies for us and weakened them, that they cannot overcome us unless we choose to let them. So we must fight courageously and mark ourselves with the sign of the Most Holy Cross. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. That was Catherine of Siena. So let's now get into the core of this. Let's go to our next slide. Spiritual warfare. This is our next slide. Now, what do you see there? You see a constant attack, you know, by the evil one on us. Now, oftentimes, spiritual warfare, we just talked about it, brings, you know, um, visions of like the Exorcist movie with heads spinning around and projectile vomiting. Um, but really, Hollywood's version is not really what you or I or most of us will go through. Some may. But fighting temptation and living the gospel every day, that's your spiritual warfare. May not sound like important. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. I get my prayers in. Well, I weakened here on that temptation, but, you know, I, I miss my prayers today. I didn't, haven't read the gospels in years. You're taking something very seriously, way too lightly. Okay? This is important. We actually engage in this battle every day, and the prize is way more important than any trophy or cash award, more than any $1 million Bassmasters fishing tournament. The prize is of infinite value. Souls. There is no value to souls. They are infinite value. I should say, there's no limit to the value of souls. They're infinite. Ephesians 6 says, Our battle isn't against human forces, but against principalities and powers. The Bible points out that our ongoing battle is with the world, the flesh, and the devil. 
This is James 4 verse 1. The devil, how does this work? All right, Father, the world, the flesh, and the devil, are they the same? Are they different? All right. The devil influences the world to turn on each other. What is going on in the world today? The riots, the wars, the, 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 the tensions. This is the world being riled up by the evil one. And then he sets in motion through that messed up world, temptations, secularism, materialism. This now has become the tool of the enemy to tempt us. And so he tempts us by the flesh. Impurity or the ads that you see now or the movies you see now or the media you see now. Our Lord said at Fatima, our Mary said at Fatima, our Lord was offended by what was coming in, 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 in fashion. And that's, that was over 100 years ago. How offended is our Lord now? So most spiritual warfare involves temptation. Then our guardian angel trying to come in and help us to do what's right. And at the same time, hell trying to convince us to do what is wrong. It truly is the good and the bad devil and the angel on your shoulders, right? The name devil, Diablos, means to cause destruction, to divide, to deceive. So Satan's main goal is to make you think he doesn't exist. You know, when you read St. Faustina's account of hell in 741 of her diary, she says oh, most people are in hell didn't believe hell existed. Boy, don't fall into that trap. All the saints know the battle with the demonic. You know, you could think of John Vianney, Padre Pio. What about St. Faustina? Let's look at our next slide. Here's St. Faustina and spiritual warfare. This is powerful stuff. I'm going to read you just two quotes from the diary of St. Faustina that will give you an idea. And there are many in her diary that talk about spiritual warfare. But let me read you just two. In diary number 320, she said, after, the, after adoration, I was surrounded by a pack of huge black dogs who were jumping and howling and trying to tear me to pieces. I realized that they were not dogs, but demons. Could you imagine how scary that would be? One of them spoke in a rage, because you have snatched so many souls away from us this night, we will tear you to pieces. I think most of us would be freaked out at that point, right? Listen to how St. Faustina answered. She said, if this is the will of the most merciful God, tear me to pieces, for I have justly deserved it because I am the most miserable of all sinners. I can't help but thinking, Sister Faustina or St. Faustina, if you are the most miserable of sinners, what am I? <laughs> oh my. And God is ever holy, just, and infinitely merciful. To these words, all the demons answered as one, let us flee, for she is not alone. The Almighty is with her. And they vanished like the dust. I continued on my way to my cell undisturbed. Wow. That's humility. St. Faustina knowing that she's nothing without God. None of us are. Let's go to one more passage of St. Faustina, 418 to 419. When I had taken a few steps, a great multitude of demons blocked my way. 
They threatened me with terrible tortures, excuse me, and voices could be heard. She has snatched away everything we have worked for over so many years. And I asked them, where have you come from in such great numbers? The wicked forms answered, out of human hearts. Woo! You got any unforgiveness going on in there? You might be one of those hearts. Myself, all kinds of struggles, might be one of those hearts. They yelled, stop tormenting us. Seeing their great hatred for me, I immediately asked my guardian angel. Wow, the guardian angel. For help. And at once, the bright and radiant figure of my guardian angel appeared and said to me, do not fear, spouse of my Lord. Wow. Count on your guardian angel. Without his permission, these spirits will do you no harm. Immediately, the evil spirits vanished and the faithful guardian angel accompanied me in a visible manner. That is incredible. His look was modest and peaceful and a flame of fire sparkled from his forehead. Whew. Incredible. All right, we're going to stay on the topic of St. Faustina here. She's awesome. Now, in Krakow in 1938, in June, Jesus actually directed St. Faustina in a retreat about spiritual warfare. Do many of you know this? I mean, I've read the diary cover to cover a couple times, and... I had to go back and read this before I gave this talk. It's powerful stuff. In diary number 1760, Jesus began, My daughter, I want to teach you about spiritual warfare. Now, there's so much here. I, I'm just going to summarize it for you. So I got a couple slides that basically summarize. Now, don't worry if you can't write as fast as I'm going to show these. This video will be left up that you can go back and show it. Let's look at what Jesus taught St. Faustina. One, next slide. Never trust in yourself, but abandon yourself totally to do God's will. How do we do that, Father? The church. The church is how you abandon yourself to do God's will. Let's keep, the, let's keep it up there. Secondly, in times of doubt, have recourse to your spiritual director. How many of you have spiritual directors? You know, we count on ourselves to, oh, we know what is right or wrong, but the spiritual director is the one who shows us or helps discern for us what's right or wrong or what's God's will. More importantly, I kind of us know what's right or wrong, but to know God's will. Back to number one, it's the church that helps us by supplying a spiritual director like a priest. This is why the church is so critically important in this battle of souls. Let's go to number three. Do not speak or to be bargain with any temptation. Do not bargain with any temptation. What happened to Eve? She got herself in one big mess. Why? She bargained. She was talking, speaking with pure evil. All right, number four. At the first opportunity, reveal any temptation to your confessor. Powerful stuff. Why? Because a confessor doesn't just forgive your sins. Your confessor can actually show you why you need to do something or what you're not doing. 
Something that without a confessor, you're not even aware of something might be a certain sin or not. I mean, how many people out there know certain things are sins? We, we, we don't know all of them. Your confessor will help you. All right, let's go to the next slide. Put your self-love in last place so that it doesn't taint your deeds. Wow. Don't think of yourself first. Remember, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Next, number six. Bear with yourself with great patience. Oh, man. Many of us fall in this category. I tell you what, if I had a dollar for every time I went somewhere and forgot something and ended up banging myself on the head because I forgot to do something critically important, I have very little patience with myself because I'm always messing up. Our Lord has infinite patience with us. Don't worry. Be patient with yourself. All right, number seven. Do not neglect interior mortifications. These are more powerful than all exterior mortifications. Yes, you know, penance and, 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 and even fasting is some of the highest things you could do, but an interior motiv uh, mortification where you deny your own will, like you super really, really, really want to do something, you really want to do this, take this job, but you feel God is taking you to another city because he wants you to lead the ministry at a certain church. And you're dying to take this other job, but they have no Catholic church in the neighborhood and you know that you'll fall away from your faith. You have to surrender that will because God's speaking to you in your heart. And so those interior mortifications, giving up, maybe you want to go to have this for dinner and your wife wants to have this for dinner. Do you always win out? Maybe a little interior mortification saying, you know what, that sounds good, honey. I think that's great. Even though I don't like olives, for instance, I always say that's why Jesus, they called it agony in the garden is because it was the garden of olives because I, I literally can't hold olives down. I, I literally gag them. But yet if somebody hands me, uh, I'm at a place to visit or I'm having dinner somewhere and they give me something and they say, Father, is this okay? And it has olives in it. I smile, or at least I try to, and say, thank you and do my best. It's a little interior mortification. All right, next one, number eight, shun gossip like the plague. This is a big one that nails most all of us in spiritual warfare. Did you hear what they did? Did you hear what she did? Did you hear what he did? Did you hear what he didn't do? I mean, we're all guilty of this probably at one time or another. God bless you if you're not. All right, number nine. Let's go to the next one. Don't worry about the actions of others. Whoo, this is a big one. We're all busybodies and we don't need to be. The only thing we need to be busy about is our own business. So be busy about your own business, not other people's. Now, obviously, if you see a crime or something that's totally um, endangering somebody else and you see somebody doing that, of course, you've got to report that or do that. We're not talking about that. But we're talking about somebody that's doing something that's not any of our business. There's no need for us to worry about the actions of others. All right, number 10, next slide. Observe your vows. So for instance, me in religious life, it's poverty, chastity, obedience. Maybe for you watching us, it's marriage. Number 11, if someone causes you trouble, 
Think what good you can do for them. How many of us do this when somebody's on our last nerve and makes our life just a real pain? Do we actually go into prayer and say, Lord, what can I do nice for them? Pray for them, help them. Somebody purposely didn't help you. Are you going to prayer and say, how can I help them? Man, you want to win the battle of spiritual warfare? That's how you do it. All right. Number 12, do not pour out your feelings. This is a talkative soul. One of my many, many, many faults. Because we, 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 we talk sometimes to vent. We talk sometimes to get our frustrations out. I have a couple of close friends in the community that I vent to. They're probably tired of hearing me do that all the time. So don't be pouring out our feelings all the time. Number 13 says why? Be silent even when we are rebuked. This is important. This is what St. Faustina, once the devil threw a vase or a jar or a, a, yeah, it was a flower vase across the chapel and shattered it. And St. Faustina went to go pick it up. She was in prayer. She didn't break it. Satan threw it across the room. We'll see in a minute why he has that power. And the mother superior came in and was very upset with Sister Faustina. She never spoke up. Now that to me has got to be the hardest of all of these. Because we always, myself included, want to claim our rights. And, 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 and man, you want to reach the highest levels of sanctity, do something like St. Faustina did. Very hard, but very holy. All right, number 14. Do not ask everyone's opinion, but only the opinion of your confessor. Good advice there, huh? He's the one that can tell you. Everybody else, their opinions aren't in line with the Catholic Church necessarily. Maybe they are, but not necessarily where the church has in the gift of the priesthood that guidance for you with the magisterium. Do not become discouraged. 15. Do not become discouraged by ingratitude. Don't ever take for granted the fact that you woke up today. Did you thank God that you can see today? That you can hear? That you can smell? That you can taste? That you can walk? I mean, I, I do all the time, but there are days I totally forget. God, please let me never take that for granted. All right, do not examine, number 16, do not examine with curiosity the roads down which I lead you. Like going to psychics telling me, Tell me, psychic, what, what, what's going to happen tomorrow? Stay away from that stuff. All right. 17, avoid idleness. They call it the noonday devil. I'm going to give you a quote from a saint in a minute that's going to tell you the dangers of doing that. Do not fear struggle. Do not, number 18, courage itself often intimidates temptations. Number 19, Always fight with deep conviction that I am with you, Jesus says. All right, number 20, do not be guided by feelings. This is the whole world today is guided by feelings. Everything is, you know what? You can't do that if it makes someone feel bad. Oh, the truth doesn't matter. You can't tell them the truth because they might be offended. This is what social media has become. Thank God you're here with us on, on what social media should be used for, the message of God. But people are like, you offended me, therefore you can't say that. This is craziness. So don't be guided by your feelings that are not in your control. You can't control the fact if, if something really embeds in your feelings. What you can control is your will. All right, number 21. I will not delude you with peace and consolation. Instead, prepare for great battles. Jeez, thanks, Jesus. 
<laughs> but remember, this is the way to eternity. Number 22, got two left. Know that you are on a great stage where all of heaven and earth are watching you. Paul talks about this. We are like athletes in a big stadium where all of heaven are the spectators. Man, doesn't that make you behave a little bit? Knowing that every move we make, the great saints and the, and those, uh, the angels in heaven are watching us, God most especially. And finally, last one, number 23, fight like a knight so I can reward you. Do not be fearful because you are not alone. I love that. Fight like a knight. K-N-I-G-H-T. A knight, like a true knight. Fight. So this goes to our next slide. Know your enemy. This is, this is what, okay. I'm going to give you right now some advice from a book. I've read many books on spiritual warfare, but one of my favorites is the Manual for Spiritual Warfare by Dr. Paul Thigpen. Uh, he's with Tan Books. Um, they're good friends of mine down um, at, in North Carolina. They're wonderful guys um, down at Tan Books, and they publish this. And I'm going to borrow from that right now. So I'm going to give credit uh, to Dr. Thigpen on some of these because I'm going to use his overall concepts. And the first one is know your enemy. That one, let's put that slide back up. Know your enemy. Now, what's going on? What do we see there? There's the enemy at the foot of the angel, and we're going to be those same battle. We're going to be in that same battle. So, all right. Angels, as we said, are far superior, we talked about this, than we are as humans. They cannot reproduce themselves, so there's a finite number of them. But, can you destroy them? No, they're not like a human body. You can't destroy them. So there's a multitude. There's more, way more than there are us. If you watched my talk on angels the other day, uh, or last week, uh, last Saturday, um, the choir of angels where our guardian angels come from is the last choir. And there are way more angels than just that one choir than there'll ever be guardian angels in the whole world for all mankind. That means there's a multitude more angels than there are human beings who will ever live. This is incredible. So the chief exorcist of Rome, Father Gabriel Amorth, who passed away in 2016, said, when I am asked how many demons there are, and this is what a demon said to him, okay? I answer with the words that the demon himself spoke through a demonic. Quote, this is the demon. We are so many that if we were visible, we would darken the sun. Woo. Be weary. Their purpose is to see as many human beings as possible, joining them in rebelling against God and then in their everlasting misery, separated from him in hell. Satan is only a creature and cannot know even the future unless God lets it happen. So this is why we must, in many ways, realize that this battle is winnable. With Christ who already won it, for us it's winnable. Christ ultimately has already conquered Satan and the devils, but for us it's also winnable. Why? Because, as St. John of the Cross said, the soul that is united with God is feared by the devil as if it were God himself. Wow. The soul that is united with God is feared by the devil as if it were God himself. All right. But this battle, Father, what, is it, what does it partake of? Let's go to the next slide. Know your battle. 
This is what Dr. Thigpen talks about in the manual for spiritual warfare. Know your battle. Every human soul on the planet is at risk. Everyone. So first we must, he talks about in his manual, distinguish between ordinary and extraordinary activities of the devil. The ordinary activities of the demons are more subtle. We may not even aware they're happening. They suggest ideas to us, maybe directly or maybe indirectly through our senses, especially what we see in here if we choose to look at something on the internet that invokes our senses. This temptation occurs in many different ways, but remember, Satan can't force you to sin. Father, you know, I fell to that sin on the internet because Satan made me do it. No, he tempted you, but he can't touch your will. Only you make that decision. Not all is from Satan, but from our own weakness and our habits of addiction sometimes that we have developed. God has mercy on that. All right, but let's go on now. Those are the ordinary activities. Let's go on to the extraordinary activities. Let's look at those on your screen right now. I'm going to talk a little bit about each one. They are infestation, oppression, obsession, and possession. Those are the four extraordinary activities of the devil. All right, so we can take the slide down, but let's talk about this. What is infestation? That's usually a demonic activity connected with maybe a location or an object or buildings. Um, maybe you see objects moving around or Father Don tells a story when a box of Kleenex flew across the room and was thrown right at him and nobody was in the room. Um, these things could fly through the air. That's kind of infestation, meaning more of an object or a location or like a building. The next one on that list was oppression. This is the com more common attack that describes the victim's exterior way of life, that the, it, the devil influences maybe um, our bodily health, um, our finances, our work situation, even disruptions in our family, arguments, um, other social relations. It could include physical assaults. Um, you know, some saints have experienced physical blows to the body, like John Vianney used to be drug around by a demon. And I apologize, because I really think probably more common is the third one, which I had up there, which is obsession. What is that? That's more a relentless form of struggle in our interior life. All right, this is where the, the evil one can get into our mind. Um, you know, there can be real struggles there. It could be intense so that the sufferer may even seem to others like really being off his rocker. Could be not just a medical condition, it really could be, um, it could be an obsession. Visual, it says, and auditory hallucinations may be experienced, as well as persistent temptations to suicide. Oh my, we wanna be careful of this. All right, now finally, the last one is possession. What is possession? Possession is the most dangerous and most rare of all extraordinary demonic activity. An evil spirit controls both the body, interior and exterior. He controls the body of the victim, both interior and exterior. Through the victim, um, he acts. But a lot of times the victim is not even aware that it's taken place. 
Sometimes I've heard these recordings is very scary, an alien voice speaking through a possessed person, you know, revealing hidden knowledge of hidden things or talking in an ancient language like uh, Latin or Aramaic. Again, don't be scared. It seems scary, but God is in control. The person exhibits an extreme, even sometimes violent. There are stories of, you know, little young 98-pound, um, 100-pound young ladies throwing grown big men across the rooms because they've been possessed, sometimes even violently. Sense of revulsion to the names of Jesus and Mary, to the rites of the church, Revulsion to consecrated hosts, relics, and sacramentals such as crucifixes and holy water. We're going to talk about those in a minute. Now remember though, a demon can never possess someone in the sense that he owns you. People always say, well, that person sold their soul to the devil. You can't sell your soul. You don't own it. God does. Now you could will that you belong to Satan or that you give yourself to Satan, you can will that, but you don't own your soul to give it. It's just like taking the life of a, of, of a, a, in the womb. It's not a mother's right in the sense of taking a human life, even though there are cases obviously where mothers are, you know, not affected or are affected greatly in their, in their decision-making and, and they're not fully capable or culpable. We understand that. Those are forgivable, absolutely. But the, the life in the womb, we don't own it. We can't pass a law that says we can kill it. It's just like the devil can't possess a human soul. He doesn't own it. He can possess it in the sense that he animates it or takes it, but he can't possess it in the sense of owning it. So we got to keep that clear in possession. All right. All human beings belong to God and are his personal possession. But in cases of demonic possession, the enemy has become, here, how do you describe it then, Father? The enemy has become the usurper, the usurper, I'm sorry, can I say that word? Usurper, <laughs> occupying the human body that was created to be dwelt in by the Holy Spirit. He's an unwanted guest. He's basically a burglar coming into your home. Um, one of the great saints I was reading just last night called the devil the burglar. That's what he does. He he's, comes into your home, your home of your, your body. You don't want him. All right, Catholics can sometimes find assistance in deliverance prayers. We will say a deliverance prayer at the end of this talk today. All right, or a uh, priest can say it for them. The Catholic Church, though, be careful, forbids the practice of laypersons seeking to engage in dialogue with demons and forcing them to reveal his name, its name. I told you about that. If they do, lacking proper authority from the church to engage the enemy, they may be opening themselves up to demonic attack. So we got to know the name of the game here. Let's go to the next slide. Dr. Thigpen says, know your commander and your comrades. Who are your commanders? God, Jesus. Um, really, you could almost say Jesus, Mary, Joseph, because they are who we call on. St. Joseph is the terror of demons. Father Don Calloway has the great book, Our Consecration of St. Joseph. Angels and saints, we can invoke them in prayer as part of our defense. Solemn exorcisms invoke the name of Jesus and Mary. Scripture reveals to us 
that the angels are not just messengers. They are guardians and warriors. So we have to know that. All right, let's go on to the next one. Know your spiritual weapons. All right. Prayer. Let's, let's just read it and then I'll come back and explain everyone. Prayer, worship, adoration, fasting, scripture, sacraments, and sacramentals. Let's talk about this. All right. Let's start with prayer. John the N.A. said, when the devil wants to make someone lose his soul, he starts by fostering in them a distaste or uninterest in prayer. We must also use the weapons of prayer to fight on the behalf of others. All right. The saints have testified to the power of Jesus's name in prayer to make the demons flee. Prayer. A lost soul once said to pray, and this is revealed through an exorcism. To pray is the easiest thing man can do on earth. And God has tied up the salvation of each one exactly to this very easy thing. What does that mean? Just this, this, it's this easy. Prayer is a very simple thing and your salvation depends on it. That's amazing. All right, next on the list was worship. Mass is the most powerful form of all worship because it's public prayer. Praying is not just for others, but with others. It forms an important part of spiritual warfare. The Mass is the single greatest thing we can ever do in our lives. All right, Eucharistic adoration. This is awesome for your guardian angel because it might be the time that you can bring and be have your guardian angel in the presence of God. His job is to stick with you. And if you never visit church or you visit adoration, he never is in the presence of God. You go to adoration, you bring him in the presence of God. Fasting, very important. When God's people fast, the power of their prayers is increased. Remember Jesus said in Mark 9, 28, this kind of demon cannot, come be, cannot be driven out by anything except prayer and fasting. What about sacred scripture? Yeah, you know how Jesus prepared for his warfare with the devil? What did it say? Yes, he first prayed and fasted, but then what did he do? He engaged the evil one on the field of battle with scripture. That's how he engaged them. The powerful word of God, and we need it too. All right, what about the biggest one, the sacraments, the church, or I shouldn't say the biggest, right there with scripture. The sacraments. Let's look at this. Baptism. Why is that important, spiritual warfare? Because it's a deliverance from Satan. They actually do an exercise, exorcism prayer in baptism. What about penance? Reconciliation. This is important because we loosen that grip. Satan has tightened on us every time we sin. And when we go to confession, we pull away from that control. Not only do we receive forgiveness of past sins, but we get the grace to resist future temptations. All right, what about the Eucharist? Especially understanding of the power of the precious blood. His glorious triumph is here at the mass, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. This is here so that we can become intimately joined with him, body, blood, soul, and divinity. You're actually got God in you. That's incredible way to fight spiritual warfare. 
the sacrament of the Eucharist. All right, in the sacrament of confirmation. How does that help, Father? The Holy Spirit comes in awesome power to strengthen us as soldiers of Christ by increasing, increasing and deepening the graces we received in baptism. That's what confirmation is. It emboldens you to go out and fight. Remember the apostles in the upper room? They were scared. They were hiding. Then the Holy Spirit came down upon them at Pentecost and inflamed them with fortitude and courage. They were basically confirmed. One guy wrote on the comments that, Father, confirmation is not in the Bible. Yeah, it's called Pentecost. It's the coming of the Holy Spirit to strengthen what they were given by Christ. The sacrament of anointing of the sick. How is that spiritual warfare? <coughs> Excuse me. It strengthens us to resist temptations and sin and to hope in God despite our bad circumstances. Anointing means there's a bad circumstance, either a sickness that needs healing or a near death. That's when anointing should be given. It isn't, when you come to healing masses and everybody just lines up and comes up and the oil's put on you, that's a blessing. And the word anointing means blessing, but it's not sacramental anointing. At least it's not supposed to be because the priest is supposed to read the actual rite of anointing, which is supposed to be when you're really sick in need of healing or near in preparation for death or possibly before you go under anesthesia. That's when you receive anointing of the sick. And so basically it's giving you hope in God to spend, despite a bad circumstances. It may or may not result in physical healing, but it gives you that hope and the forgiveness of sins if you unite it with confession or the apostolic pardon. Now let's keep going. Marriage. How does marriage give you the fight in spiritual warfare? Marriage is where the devil first attacked the human race. Did y'all realize that? Through the ruin of the family, he has extended his evil to every generation. His first attack on the human race was marriage. And for this reason, the sanctification of the marriage bond and the family is necessary to defeat Satan. The home must become a sanctuary, a holy place fortress against Satan. All right, finally, the last one, holy orders. Wow, this is so important. Please pray for your priests. They are in persona Christi. They are carrying on the mission of Christ in the person of Christ, despite their brokenness and weakness. And man, does Satan. Father George Kosicki writes in his book, the importance of praying for the priests because of spiritual warfare. The devil first, the demons come after the priests. Please, some of them weaken and, and, and lose their priesthood or their vocation and worse, their souls. We don't ever want that to happen. Please pray. It's even if a father, he committed a horrible crime or abuse. Yes, that's just the reason they need more our prayers because they're in most risk of damnation. So we have to do that. All right. Now, finally, sacramentals. What is a sacramental? All right. Sacramental could be any actions like the sign of the cross or any blessing by a priest, as well as objects that have been blessed like holy water, oil, salt, exercise salt, candles, rosaries, crucifixes, scapulars, or other religious images. All powerful stuff. You know that they've been weeping, all kinds of stuff. The ministry of exorcism itself is actually a sacramental. Did you know that? In exorcism, the church publicly asks 
with authority in the name of Jesus that a person or object be protected against the devil's power or that that evil be withdrawn from his dominion. Any priest can do minor exorcisms, like the blessing of a Benedict medal. If you have a Benedict cross or medal, I may have blessed it. That's a minor exorcism. But you need permission of the bishop to do a major exorcism. Don't do one with your neighbor. You're messing with something that's beyond us. All right. Next, let's go to this quote of St. Teresa of Avila. The demons have no power except against cowardly souls who surrender their weapons. <laughs> so don't surrender your weapons that I just mentioned to you. All right, next slide. Know your armor. Again, keeping with the book, Manual of Spiritual Warfare, I'm going to just read these and then we'll talk about them. How do you know your armor? Faith, hope, love, truthfulness, readiness to evangelize, and humility. So let's have that up on the screen. If it's not up there, let's look at that again. Know your armor, faith, hope, love, truthfulness, readiness to evangelize, and humility. All right, let's quickly talk about these. Faith, that includes not just a knowledge of God, but a confident trust in him. Father Seraphim always says the image of divine mercy that says, Jesus, I trust in you. And the original language is, Jesus, I faith in you. Wow. Faith and trust, you got to have that. Next is hope. The temptation to despair is a powerful tool of the evil one. If we lose hope of our salvation, we open ourselves and our minds to the enemy and his wrecking of havoc. We need hope that God will get us out of this mess and into heaven. Love, the greatest of these is love. St. John describes love or charity as the breastplate of spiritual armor. Why is that? Because the breastplate protects the heart. And what is the heart? The symbol of your will, the center of your soul that makes choices for or against God. So we have to absolutely be part of this. We have to understand that love is not just an emotion or a feeling, but an act of the will. When love is lost, the enemy can take deadly aim straight at our heart. Man, don't let that happen. Truthfulness. St. Paul says that truth also forms part of our spiritual armor. This is Ephesians 6.14. The devil is the father of lies, so rebuke him through the truth. This is why our world today is in such a mess. Nobody wants to hear the truth. It's just about feelings and emotions. Thomas Aquinas says that's not where you got to put your stock. Your emphasis has to be on the will. And the only way your will can choose what's right or wrong is to know the truth. You have to know the truth. This is powerful stuff. All right, and finally, readiness to evangelize wherever you go. Be prepared to bring the good news of salvation. I got a great priest friend in Minnesota named Father Kazel up in Zambroda and Pine Island, Minnesota. And when I travel, I always wear my collar because I hope people will come to me for confessions. But I got to admit, I'm probably not the best of actually approaching people. I still have a little bit of a nervous kind of ness that, you know, they're not welcoming to it, but somebody even looks like they're encouraging me to talk to them or they ask to talk to me. Absolutely. 
But Father Kazel would take green scapulars and flag people down in the grocery stores. He would flag people down at the gas pumps, hand them these scapulars, and tell them about Jesus. And I thought, you know what? I need to start doing that. Father Mike Gailey talks about the hit and run. Take a little image of divine mercy out of your pocket. Give it to somebody. Jesus loves you. Hit and run. Take off. But anyway, stay if they want to talk. This is beautiful stuff. All right. So this is really, really powerful. A readiness to evangelize. And finally, humility. Humility is the essential virtue that provides the soil for all other graces and virtues to grow. Paul says, St. Paul says, the virtue of humility or the humility of Christ, by the humility of Christ, the devil was defeated. That's what St. Paul said. By the humility of Christ or through the humility of Christ, the devil was defeated. Now we have to keep that in mind. Why? Look at our next slide. 1 Peter 4, 5 says, this army armor that we just talked about we just gave you the big armors is necessary because our adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion seeking someone to devour or destroy. Wow. All right. So let's start summarizing here. In that manual that I'm talking about, it says basically keep the enemy out of your camp. Don't even let him come into your camp. Um, don't grant the evil one entrance into your life through, as I said, portals such as, you know, abortion, lack of forgiveness, sins of malice. These are the worst. Unforgivable sin. What's the only unforgivable sin? Sin against the Holy Spirit. What is that, Father? Is not accepting God's mercy. Oh, I'm fine. I don't need church. I don't need God. I don't need the Eucharist. I'm fine. Really? Final impenitence is, I don't need God. I'm fine. I don't need God's mercy and forgiveness. I'm a good person. Well, we're all created good. But whether or not we are sinners is not up for debate. We are all broken sinners. And so this is very, very important that we understand we are broken sinners. All right. So the sins that we have to do, that we bring to God, um, will be forgiven and the portals closed. If we don't go to God with him, we don't go to confession for him, those portals can remain open and the devil can jump in. So um, Dr. Thigpen says, avoid the Trojan horses. What does that mean? I think this is kind of interesting. He said, avoid Trojan horses because the enemy's tools can be disguised as seductive gifts. All right, you're a married man. You have that new secretary at work. Young single lady looks very attractive and she pays attention to you. And all of a sudden, it's starting to go places it shouldn't go. It looks like something very good at front. She's very nice. She helps you at work. But all of a sudden... There starts to become attachments. There starts to become feelings, emotions. And the next thing, there might be something physical. This is something that looks enticing, but it's a Trojan horse because you're committed in your marriage. You have vows. And so we need to be faithful to that. So this is keeping the enemy out of your camp. All right, let's go to the next slide. Use the gifts of the church. I said gift there. I should have said gifts. Um, the Bible, the catechism, church documents, magisterium, the saints. This is important. Use the gift of the church. What are the scriptures? 
the scriptures are for battle. You know, the scriptures tell us all about this battle, Father. This is a bunch of hocus pocus. The devil doesn't exist. Really? Did you ever open your Bible and see the gift of the church, the Bible, which came from the church, by the way, the councils of Carthage and Hippo. The evil one is referred to as the devil, the serpent, Satan, Lucifer, the evil one, Beelzebul, the tempter, the enemy, the accuser, the prince of this world, the roaring lion, the dragon. I could go on and on. There are a ton here. So the scriptures are making it clear that this is real. So next slide. How do we know God's victory? Do we know that God wins this? How do we have confidence? Let's go to our next slide. <clears throat> he who overcomes, I will permit him. Now, do we have the slide up? It's, did, did we lose the connection? Oh, okay. Well, I'll read it to you then. Sorry. I don't know if we lost our live connection or not. Okay, we're back up. I'm sorry. You know, when you do this live, it's because these things are going to happen. More so today. You know, I don't think we've ever had this many crazy things happen. All of my live broad streams have been um, almost, not say flawless, meaning I, I said stupid things, but no technology problems, me not forgetting my water, um, technology issues. And there's already been more of this talk than any others combined. So uh, I think you can see why the devil can, can play a little bit of havoc. And we have to not take that lightly. I don't mean to, to take this lightly at all. I'm not. It's very serious. And so we have to realize this is why we need prayer, penance, the sacraments, the church, scriptures like we've been talking, the armor and the weapons. All right. Let's get it back up on the screen here. He who overcomes, I will permit him to sit with me upon my throne. Also, as I also have overcome and have sat with my father on his throne. Let's read that one more time. He who overcomes, meaning us, I will permit him to sit with me upon my throne as I also have overcome and have sat with my father on his throne. Wow. Amazing stuff. All right. Let's go to the next one. Words in the midst of temptation and testing. My son. Do we have this one up? Okay. My son. If you come forward to serve the Lord, remain in justice and in fear. Now, that's a good fear not a bad fear, and prepare yourself for temptation. That's Sirach chapter 2, verse 1. Don't get scared, just get prepared. That's the mantra of today's talk. Don't be scared, just be prepared. All right, next. Help of the saints. Let's look at the next slide. This is St. Bonaventure. I love this quote. The devil is not satisfied with a soul turning against Jesus, unless it also turns against his mother, because he fears she will again, by her intercession, bring back her son. <laughs> so what is this? This is powerful. St. Bonaventure saying that the devil isn't satisfied just with you going against Jesus. He wants you to turn against his mother too. Many non-Catholics have done this. 
And he fears that because if you don't turn against his mother, she'll bring Jesus right back. And so powerful stuff, all right? Know the enemy's strategies. I don't have a slide on this, but know the enemy's strategies. He tempts each one of us according, St. Catherine of Siena said, according to our conditions, to those principal vices to which that soul seems most disposed. All right, that means if you're traditionally gluttonous, you're going to have a lot of temptations with food. If you struggle with lust, you're probably going to have a lot of temptations to impurity. If you struggle with impatience, you're going to probably have a lot of temptations to anger and frustration. You got to know the devil knows your Achilles heel. He knows my Achilles heel and yours too. Very important. All right, now, Satan's three great tools, all right, are pride, fear, and confusion. This is important. Why? Pride, he already struck us in the garden, and he continues to get us with pride. Fear, second great tool of Satan, is what he's doing right now. People are so afraid of even going back to the sacraments. Now, I'm not saying if you're at high risk or whatnot that I'm telling you, Father Chris said, that you've got to put yourself at risk. I'm not saying that. But there are a lot of people who are simply not going because of fear. We never should let fear stand between us and God, even if that means observing the proper social distancing or going to adoration when you're maybe late at night when no one's there. Then you don't need to have the fear. But don't use fear as the excuse. Jesus said uh, in the Bible, be not afraid. Upon John Paul II, when he was um, elected Pope, first words, be not afraid. All right? Confusion. This is Satan's other big tool right now. Man, has he given it to us. Confusion. We don't know right now what gender we are. We don't know who marries who. We don't know if life is sacred or not inside the womb. This is crazy confusion. We need to pray against these things, against the confusion, the fear, and the pride. All right. Now, how do we deal with the devil? All right. The principal trap that the devil sets for young people is idleness. This is St. John Bosco. He says, the fatal source of all evil for young people, if you got young people who are not practicing their faith, check out and make sure that they are not just sitting around idle. Maybe ask them to participate in things with you. Assign them if they're living it with you and maybe not paying rent, you can assign them tasks at home. Idle hands are the devil's workshop, okay? Be careful of that. Do not let there be any doubt in your mind, he said, that we are born to work, and when we don't, we are out of our element and in greater danger of the evil ones. All right, now... Let's go back to a couple last quick slides. The next slide talks about, I love this quote. Read this one. The devil's hook cannot catch you unless you're already nibbling on his bait. <laughs> That's St. Ambrose. Let's go to another one. The way to overcome the devil when he excites feelings of hatred for those who injure us is to pray immediately for their conversion. How many of us do that or do we rather yell about the person or harbor ill thoughts about the person? How many, when somebody really upsets us, do we actually pray for their conversion? That's St. John Vianney. Let's go one more saint quote. 
Job, remember him in the Bible? St. Augustine said, Job was turned over to the devil to be tempted so that by withstanding the test, Job would become a torment to the devil. Now, this is interesting. Basically, God's saying, Job, I'm going to let you be tested and be tormented by the devil so that when you pass the test, you're going to become a torment to him. So you're going to be tormented by him so that you can succeed and then be a torment to him. That's amazing. That's really incredible. That's only our Lord. All right, last page. The devil fears those who pray. Now St. John Vianney said, Yes, my brothers, from the moment that we neglect to pray, we move with big steps towards hell. Wow, wake up. We'll never return to God if we don't resort to prayer. That's John Vianney. All right. Then St. Bernard of Clairvaux, however great may be the temptation, if we know how to use the weapon of prayer, we will shall come off as a conqueror at last. For prayer is more powerful than all demons. He who is attacked by the spirits of darkness needs only to apply himself to prayer and he will beat them back with great success. All right, wow. So basically, why does God allow such trials? Why does he allow these temptations? I want to finish with just a couple more quotes, but one is powerful. I'm not going to show it. I'm going to read it. It's a few, it's two paragraphs, but please stay with me. I know we're getting long. St. Catherine of Siena once said, and this is one of the most powerful of the whole afternoon, that Jesus said, or God said to her, I've appointed the devil to tempt and to trouble my creatures in this life. Sounds like really bad, doesn't it? I've done this, not so that my creatures will be overcome, but so that they may overcome, proving their virtue and receiving from me the glory of victory. And no one should fear any battle or temptation of the devil that may come, because I've made my creatures strong, and I've given them strength of will fortified in the blood of my son. Neither the devil nor any other creatures can control your free will because it is yours, given to you by me. By your own choice, then, you can hold it or let it go as you please. It's a weapon. And if you place it in the hands of the devil, it right away becomes a knife that he will use to stab and kill you. This is the words of the Father. So he finishes. On the other hand, if you don't place this knife that is your free will into the hands of the devil, that is, if you don't consent to the temptations and harassments of him, you will never be injured by the guilt of sin in any temptation. Instead, you'll actually be strengthened by temptation. As long as you open your eyes to see my love and to understand why I allow you to be tempted, you, so you could develop virtue by having it proved. My love permits these temptations, for the devil is weak. He can do nothing by himself unless I allow him. So I let him tempt you because I love you, not because I hate you. I want you to conquer, not to be conquered, and to come to a perfect knowledge of yourself and of me. Wow, that's St. Catherine of Siena. So the devil will keep tempting, but God only allows it. It's, it's for our betterment. And he especially does it when we are alone. 
by ourselves. So the devil sees us with others, he's much more cautious. That's why the church is so important in communities. And when he sees communities together that don't have God, that aren't praying, man, that's where he zeroes in to nail them. God comes in and helps us, but only if we ask him. If we're not following God, if we're not praying and we're not staying faithful and living out in a state of, or in a state of grace outside of sin, Satan sees communities and gatherings of people as a bigger target. But if you come together as a prayerful community, like in a church and you're in a state of grace and you're praying together, he flees. So don't be alone. This is his target because he feels that, that he can nail you. And uh, for this reason, we have the greatest need of flocking together, St. John Chrysostom tells us, so that we won't be open to attacks. All right, a couple more slides, just uh, one more before our prayer. This is St. Um, excuse me, Ignatius of Loyola. There are three ordinary decrees of temptation. First, he catches souls by the love of riches. Next, he throws them into the paths of ambition. Be careful with ambitions. You shouldn't be crushing everybody on the way on the top of your corporate to the top of your corporate ladder. And from ambition to pride, the abyss that comes all vice. All right. Pride is the king one, and those other ones will let us get there. Riches, ambitions will lead us to pride, and that's the ultimate downfall. All right, so anyway, we have to be careful. All right, so anyway, I want to finish now by saying Pope Francis, you know, he said the presence of the devil is on the first page of the Bible, and the Bible ends as well with the presence of the devil, with the victory of God over the devil. John Paul said spiritual warfare is another element of life which needs to be taught anew and proposed once more to all Christians today. It's an invisible struggle in which we engage every day against temptations, the evil suggestions that the demons try to plant in our hearts. You know, this is powerful. Mary and Jesus, the divine mercy. I said in the beginning of this talk, those are the two critical tools of spiritual warfare. This is real. This is not a joke. I know sometimes we can be too confident in God's mercy and not take it serious enough. Uh, please, Lord, let me never be guilty of that. When I chuckled a few times here today, I am not meaning that. This is very serious. And this is why right now I wanna ask you to join me in prayer. As we have finished this talk, a very important talk, but I want to finish with a prayer that you can say with me at home and lead you in a prayer of protection. This comes from the manual or the spiritual warfare book that, um, that we've had in the Marian Fathers for a while, and it is a powerful prayer. It's going to be in three slides, and so I want to ask you to read this with me to finish this talk, this day of our lives protected through prayer. Remember, it's the greatest tool. Christ gives us this gift. Let us pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for sharing with me your wonderful ministry of healing and deliverance. Thank you for the healings that I have experienced today. I realize that the sickness of evil is more than my humanity can bear, so I ask you to cleanse me 
of my sadness, negative thinking, or despair that may have attached to me. If I have been tempted to anger, impatience, or lust, cleanse me of those and of all temptations and replace them with your love, joy, and peace. If any evil spirits have attached themselves to me or oppressed me in any way, I command you, spirits of earth, fire, water, and the netherworld, to depart now and go straight to Jesus Christ, to him, to deal with you as he wills. Come, Holy Spirit, renew me. Fill me with your love, peace, and joy. Strengthen me where I feel weak and clothe me with your light. Fill me with your life. Lord Jesus, please send your holy angels to minister to me and protect me from all forms of sickness, harm, accidents, and evil. I thank you and praise you, my Lord, God, and King. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen, and God bless all of you. You know, I had to finish today because I went way too long, but I didn't get to some really good topics, one of which is generational healing, healing of the family tree. I have a book, uh, if Brother Mark can put on the slides right now, it's called After Suicide, There's Hope for Them or You. Please don't read this wrong. The book is not just about suicide. It's about helping us get through any tragedies, difficulties, and there's huge sections in there about spiritual warfare, um, healing the family tree, dealing with uh, depression, anxiety, things of the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. We have a lot in that book. So I invite you to go to suicideandhope.com to get that book, or you can call 1-800-4-MARION. It's also available on ebook on Shop Mercy. Dot org. And finally, I want to thank you. The series has been brought to you by our continuing talks on uh, explaining the faith, which are talks that I've been uh, doing uh, mixes now. This one's an additional talk that's been based on those DVDs. Not all of this is in there, but some of it is. You can get that also at shopmercy.org, or if you want to digitally stream it, you can get it at thedivinemercy.org slash explaining the faith. God bless all of you. I am so sorry I went way too long. I didn't even get to the good stuff. So stay tuned. We're going to keep coming back every Saturday with you so that we can teach and explain more about our faith. And may Almighty God bless you and keep you safe through the intercession of Mary and all the saints, especially St. Faustina and St. Michael the Archangel. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we hope to see you next week. Do you realize that St. Faustina had a vision of all Marian helpers back in April of 1936? Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. And if you're already a Marian helper or you become a Marian helper, St. Faustina saw you in her vision. Let's listen to her words. St. Faustina said that the Lord Jesus revealed to her many things concerning the future among others, the creation of an association of lay people, which was to deal with the propagation of the devotion of divine mercy. She said, 
one more word, Father. I see clearly that not only will there be a male and a female congregation, but I can see that there will be a huge association of laypersons to which anyone could belong and by deed remind others of God's mercy, particularly showing mercy to one another. Trusting in God entirely, St. Faustina remained convinced that this divine work would one day come about. So it is clear that St. Faustina was talking here about the association of Marian helpers. Why be a Marian helper? The first reason that you should want to join the Association of Marian Helpers at no cost is because we Marian Fathers celebrate a Mass for you and all our members each and every day. Remember, the saints tell us that one Mass during our lifetime is worth more than a hundred Masses after we die. And these are the graces we are going to need to get to heaven. Reason number two to be a Marian Helper, you can share in all the prayers, good works, and merits of all the Marian priests and brothers around the world. You know, our Catholic faith teaches to get to heaven, we need faith and good works. So if you're not able to go around the world doing these good works, we can. And now you can share the graces just as if you were a Marian priest or brother. Reason number three to be a Marian helper is because you can share in the graces of a mass said on the feast days of our Savior and our Blessed Mother. Remember, there is no more powerful grace in this world than that of the infinite Mass, and especially Mass is said on the feast days of our Savior and Mother Mary. Reason number four to why to be a Marian helper is because you can share in the graces of a Mass said every month on the first Friday and first Saturday. Remember, Mother Mary told us at Fatima the importance of the five first Saturday devotions, and we know through the devotion to the Sacred Heart the importance of first Fridays. We at the Marian Fathers will offer these Masses for our members of our association, and you can share in those graces. Reason number five why to be a Marian helper is because every All Souls Day, we see a Mass for all the deceased members of the Association of Marian Helpers. Again, there's no way that after we die, we can help ourselves, but we have to rely on the prayers of those here on earth and we members of the Marian Fathers will be praying for you as a deceased member of our association. And reason number six to be a Marian helper is you can share in the graces of the perpetual novena to the divine mercy. Remember Jesus told St. Faustina that the chaplet of divine mercy is one of the most powerful prayers we can make. And every day here at the shrine of divine mercy, we pray it and you can share in those graces. You know now there are a number of reasons why you should be a Marian helper. In addition to all the graces that you can get through our masses, our rosaries, our chaplets of divine mercy, our prayers and our penances, there's the fact that you can share in the special family that we have as Marian fathers and Marian helpers. You see, there is nothing more important than praying for each other. And when you become a Marian helper, and there is no cost, we pray for you every day and you'll pray for us, we hope, because they'll help each other get to heaven. So if you have any questions or you want to learn more how to be a Marian helper, please visit micprayers.com or call 1-800-462-7426 and let me personally pray for you and your loved ones. Thank you and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.